0: Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are so excited about week two of Mastering Marriage. Last week we had part one, so if you haven't taken the time or haven't um, had the opportunity to listen or watch, we encourage you to do that. And then today is part two, and Mac is back with us today. Yes, ma'am. We are happy you're here. I'm
1: thrilled to be here. And you know what, I think one of the things that is an opportunity here that maybe is not taken every week is for the dads to join in watching online and kind of getting a piece of this because I think what, what we did last week and what we're doing now is one of those things that helps everybody and we want to help everybody and I think dads being a part of this could be a massive win for everybody concerned.
0: Absolutely. We know that God's desire and God's design is that husband and wife work together, that mom and dad work together to create the family um, that He designed your family to be. But our responsibility at Fearless Mom, you know what? We've said it before. Yeah. I've tried. I can't control Mac, <laughs> but I can control my actions. And so um We are going to, dads, it's awesome. If you will join in, we'd love to have you. But moms, we're not dependent on that. There are things that we can do to be the moms that we were created to be. We want to start with a shout out to our online moms. If you are watching with a group, or if you're watching or listening by yourself, we want to remind you that you're not alone. We are with you, and we are for you. And we walk arm in arm together doing the best we can to be the moms that we were created to be. So let's start with prayer. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you for the gift of technology. God, we thank you for the responsibility of family. And we are so grateful that you give us a guidebook that you give us direction and affirmation and wisdom and counsel in your word. We ask right now that you settle our hearts and minds and that you open our eyes and ears to see and hear what you want us to know so that we can be the best parents you've created us to be, to raise up these children to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, um, last week, we quoted a lot from the Gottmans. We often take secular studies. John Gottman is a psychologist and a social scientist, and he and his Team have done studies over 40 years. At Fearless Mom, a lot of times we take secular research, secular science, maybe we learn from um, books and all this information that we can gather, and then our responsibility is to filter it through scripture. There is one book that we stand behind 100%. There is one book that we offer to you with no debate, with no argument, and that is the Bible. Beyond that, yes, we learn from all kinds of sources. But our responsibility is to look at that information and then filter it through God's word because we know that his word is all truth. And that what we've discovered over the years is that when we look at these studies, it actually affirms what God's word tells us about people, what God's word directs us about marriage. And so I just wanted to make sure we all understand that. So when we quote these studies, I'm not endorsing everything they've ever said or done, but I am saying we can learn from that. But what is my responsibility? To use wisdom, discernment, and to filter it through scripture. Everybody got it? Say got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, now that we got that straight, I think the Gottmans are incredible in that. What they do is they observe behaviors. And so it's all actions we can take. It's all choices we can make to make our marriages what they are created to be. And the Gottmans divide marriages into two categories. They observe interaction. They observe body language, heart rate. They observe your pulse, your temperature when you're interacting with each other. Tone of voice all of these things. They document all this science, and they track it, and they say, you know what? We've noticed patterns. We've noticed trends. We've noticed that they're actually, let's divide them into two categories. There are marriage masters. Everybody say masters. Masters. And there are marriage disasters. Disasters. Everybody say disasters. Disasters. If you were children, I'd say, say it with an ugly face disasters. So there are marriage masters and there are marriage disasters. And what his science has shown and what other scientists have found is that there are things we can do to actually put ourselves in the masters category. That's where we want to do. That's where we want to be. That's where we want our marriage to be. Even if you say, as we look at all these points last week and this week, my marriage is definitely in the disaster category. Is it doomed forever? No, it is not. Research shows that there are choices you can make and actions you can take today to move your marriage. Even if your husband is not making those choices with you, you can do your part to do your best to take it to the master's category. And so we're gonna talk a lot today about trust and about how important that is in your marriage and what you can do to build trust. And Mac and I, it, May be safe to say that early in our marriage we had some trust issues. Okay, so I'm gonna. I we are both very competitive, and so we would watch game shows during dinner all the time. And so we would watch. One of our favorites was Wheel of Fortune. We're just that fun. And uh, so we were watching. Well, I know Wheel how to show Fortune. a girl a good time, or what? Uh, so we would watch, and Mac would go, "I know it." And of course, I didn't believe him. I would say, "No, I know it." You already know it? And he'd go, yes, so this is what we would do. I would make him, we literally had paper. And when we watched Wheel of Fortune, you would write down when you knew it <laughs> and what you thought it was. That is and so sad. I know, it's embarrassing. But I'm like, he didn't know it. And he certainly didn't know it before I knew it. You know, and so- That we, was what was really- Oh, it's so irritating. He's like, I know. And I'm like, you do not know it. There's no way you know it because I don't know it yet. And so <laughs> uh, we write it down. And then, at, you know, when they would reveal it. I'm like, wow, dude, we've got a lot of work to do because we certainly had trust issues. And the fact of the matter is that's a funny example, but we all know that trust is vital in every relationship. And so what we're going to do is say today, what can we do? Why is it important? Let's look at it. And what can we do to, to build the trust? Because trust is a must in every marriage. Trust is a must in every marriage. And I think
1: it's really important, you know what Julie just said about the Gottman studying behavior. I think that is so, so important because what I've noticed is a lot of times, we judge other people by their behaviors. But we judge ourselves by our motives. We're like, well, I didn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't intend that, but look at what he did. Or look at what she did. When I think, especially when you're talking about marriage, what we talked about last week and that generosity of thought, assume the best about your spouse. So let's talk a little bit about defining trust and what that really means. Defining trust means that we feel safe and carefree with another person, allowing transparency and vulnerability. Transparency and vulnerability vulnerability now transparency is a really really hot buzzword in our world right now people talk about corporate transparency etc cetera, etc cetera. transparency is most important in marriage what i like to tell people is you should not be transparent with everybody you should be authentic with everyone but transparent with a precious few and guess what precious few starts right here
0: I think he just called me precious. (laughs) Uh Precious few.
1: So, between husband and wife, and this is so important, there are no secrets. Turn to your table, turn to your neighbor and say, "None."
0: None.
1: None. None. There is nothing off limits in marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to say everything that you think.
0: Thank you for that clarification. <laughs>
1: but it does mean that there are no secrets between husband and wife. Passwords, browsing history, uh, where you were, what you were doing, zero secrets. How and much you spent. How much you spent. That's a big one. Like, don't tell daddy, I'm going to leave these in the trunk. Hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah, that just hit we, a raw we, nerve yeah, over Yeah, we here. don't play. We
0: don't
1: play. Because this has to be a safe place. Here's the thing that I think I didn't realize when we got married. I needed, I wanted Julie to be my haven, to be the safe place in the world where I could come and I was safe. And I didn't even realize that. And most of the time too, men don't put it in those terms. Like I just need a safe place. We don't talk like that, (laughs) but we need that. And in order for this to be safe, we've got to be allowing transparency and vulnerability. The second thing There has to be the absence of fear of deception or injury from another person. The absence of fear of deception or injury. When I know that we have no secrets, that is a safe place. And I don't worry about Julie lying to me. I don't worry about her, whether or not she's telling the truth. Now, there are those times when you say things reactively and instinctively And you're kind of like, especially like if you get on different pages, how many of you ever get on different pages with your spouse? Can I just say, I think we have unanimity. When that happens, sometimes I can say things that I wish were true that are not true. You know what I'm saying? Where you say things that you, you wish you had taken out the garbage, or you wish you had done something that you said you would do, thinking I can get that taken care of before she finds out that I didn't get that taken care of. That's... Your heart's in the right place and your mouth is in the wrong gear. You know what I'm saying? You have to always say what's real, say what's true. The third thing, trust means reliability and dependability in things both big and small. Reliability and dependability in things both big and small. It's those little things that can erode and eat away at trust if we're not really, really careful.
0: And our prayer today is that this sparks conversation yeah. in your home, that you began to talk about it and, and you look at yourself honestly and say, am I completely trustworthy? Before we look at the spouse, look at yourself. Before you begin to look at others, look at yourself and go, am I completely trustworthy? Can my husband depend on me? Do I say things like, yes, I'll get that done, yes, I'll get that done, yes, I'll get that done, and I never do it. Let me look at myself before I start to encourage him to be more dependable. And so, uh, if you need to blame us and say, hey, we talked about this, um, or I listened to a podcast, or I watched this, blame us. And then get the conversation going. And if you're listening to just the definition of trust and you're saying, we don't have that. We don't have that in our home. Don't be scared, don't be scared. Hit it head on and go, okay, you know what? We don't have it today. We don't have it yet. We don't have it right now but I do believe we can get there because what we want you to do is to open up the conversation and to discuss trust, to discuss trust. So let's look at what you're going to, when we talk about trust and he defined it but so let's discuss it. Trust that you will both be sexually faithful. Put that on the table. I will be faithful to you no matter what. You will be faithful to me no matter what. Trust that you will not harm, reject, or control one another. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. I will not harm, reject, or control you. And a lot of times, I think as women, when we are fearful, our response is to begin to control everything we can. And when we are afraid, that is a natural response. But look at yourself honestly and say, am I trying to control out of fear Or are we on the same page in parenting and being a family and doing our marriage toward a vision? And I think
1: a lot of times what ends up happening in marriage is it becomes a vicious cycle because as Julie said, I did not say that a woman's tendency is to control, but you said that just a second ago. If you control out of fear, a guy's tendency in fear or in anger is to what I call turtle up. Guys withdraw. We don't like conflict and especially... Husband-wife conflict. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And so, as a guy withdraws, a woman becomes more fearful, tries to control more, and the guy withdraws more. It's a vicious, vicious cycle that you just have to be really careful of.
0: And, and we're not saying all females do this and all males no. do this, but research does show that 80% of those who stonewall, 80% of those who turtle up are men. And, and that's, that's the science of it. It's not again, everyone. That's behavior.
1: That's, that's not a judgment call. That's no, just observation of reality it's and It's not fact.
0: everyone, but it is a larger percentage. 80% are men. Get it together. Um, Okay, so number three, trust that you love one another without ulterior motives. I love you no matter what. This is unconditional love here. God has unconditional love for me. I love you unconditionally. Um, And then number four, trust that you will not abandon one another in the face of anger, conflict, or disagreement. I am in it to win it, and I will do whatever it takes. This is uncomfortable for me. I hate conflict, but I love you more than I hate conflict. And so I am willing to endure this chaos because I know that we are meant for more. I know that we're meant for. I'm not talking to you hypothetically. (laughs) I know, I know. We're not having a session. But that is something that
1: we, I think God kind of led us to early in our marriage. When we would get on different pages, we would say to each other, I'm not going anywhere. You're not getting off that easy, but this is not clicking right now. I wanna get on the same page. I'm not going anywhere, but let's get on the same page.
2: Which is a great
1: thing, because you're affirming the relationship while you're identifying something that can get better. And that's that's two wins right there. But
0: sometimes you would be like, um, you would come, because you are obviously, um, he is much more open to discussion of anything than I am. And so he would come and go, hey, I feel like we're on different pages. Is, is everything okay? And I would say, oh, I'm just distracted. I'm just, but he was always bringing the gap. Or I would say, are we okay? Because something. And um, <laughs> he would say, no, we're good. I, I'm just, I'm just my, my head is somewhere else right now. But we were always doing a checkup. You know, if it, if it feels weird, let's address it right then. Let, well, let's defi- don't define let-
1: always doing a checkup too. Not like know. like every 30 minutes or so.
0: Oh, okay. You know, um, but on a regular. When you, when
1: you feel like you're on different pages... It's kind of like they say at the airport, if you see something, say something.
0: Yes, that's good. If you see something, say something. Yeah, I just mean when I say always, like whenever it feels weird, just address it. Because, you know, it's like baby sharks, handle it when it's a baby shark before it's a grandpa shark. Um, Okay, number five, trust that you will make each other and your marriage a top priority. This is important to me. So we say that to each other. Our family is important to me. I say that with my actions too, not just my mouth. This is important to me, I'm gonna do the work, we're gonna do the work. And we talked about that time when we got on different pages and it was a significant, we were in different chapters. I thought we were in different, you know, libraries. And um, (laughs) and so it, it was very different. But I said, we'll do the work necessary to get back. We'll do the work necessary, we are in it to win it. And so it was important for me to know that Mac was in it to win it and that he was willing to do the work. It was important for him to know that I was doing the work. And so we over communicated that. Um, Am I frustrated with you right now? Yes, do um, you drive me crazy right now? I will never understand the way he thinks. He will never understand the way I think. That's not the goal. The goal is to be a healthy couple. I don't need to understand how he thinks. He doesn't need to understand how I think. We need to agree to disagree. We need to get on the same page. We need to have the same goal in mind, and that is a healthy marriage.
1: I think, I think it can be daunting or intimidating to think he will never understand the way that I think, because I think that's a bigger need for you than it is for me, for me to understand where you're thinking.
0: You, you've said, though, that my brain works weird, and you don't want me to bring you into that.
1: <laughs> I have said that, uh-huh. and, that's and for okay. the record, okay for the record okay. I stand by it.
0: Yeah, I'll say. Let me tell you what I'm Julius thinking. He says, goes, "There's yeah, a lot going on up here." Yeah, he's like, "I just need you to tell me what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't try to pull me into that world." And that's I don't have true. to know how
1: you got there.
0: Yeah, he goes, I'm, "Just, just tell once me once what you, you want me to do." Once you figure out knowing. the end
1: game, I'm happy to listen. But if you just kind of give me the direction and where we're going and <laughs> like how long you think it's gonna take us to and, get there, and, that and would And I help know what he wants lot. to
0: add, but he doesn't in as few words as possible. <laughs> uh, you don't add that, thanks. That's probably good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's so important that we understand that, that we communicate to each other that it is worth the work. Is it work? Yes, it's work. It is work. And you may be thinking, we, I'm, I'm scared to ask my husband these questions. I don't wanna know. Mm. Uh, there, are, there are things I'm, I'm afraid to ask. I'm, I'm afraid to go that deep. I'm afraid of what I'll find. Here's the deal. The intimacy between husband and wife is supposed to be, the, the two are one. That's how close we are supposed to be with nothing, <laughs> nothing between us. And so if, if there's a fear that you have of not asking a question or not finding that out, At some point, you're gonna need to get there because it will always be between you. And so get help, reach out, reach out to your church, reach out to a counselor, reach out and do the work necessary because God's ideal is for you to be on the same page and for you to be one. So do the work necessary. And you go, I'm not sure if I trust him right now. Well, then I'm gonna tell you who you can trust. Until you can trust your uh, husband, until you feel like you're there, you're going to do the work to get to where you can trust your husband, and you're going to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight.'" So your trust is in God, and you're saying, God, I know that you have a plan for our marriage and for our family, and I'm gonna do the work necessary to build trust. And actually, sociologist Brene Brown says, where in our minds we typically think trust is built when we experience significant things together, the reality is that trust is built one moment at a time, one interaction at a time. She likens it to putting marbles in a jar. And so, every time you have a positive interaction, every time you choose to show generosity, to show kindness, as we said last week, to respond to the bid, whenever I choose to do that, when I choose kindness, when I choose positive, I'm putting a marble in the jar. I want a marble jar marriage. And the good news is, I can get that. He doesn't have to put, I can do this. I can do it in my power. I can do everything I can. And in an ideal world, he's putting marbles in the jar too. But I don't have to wait for him. I can begin today putting marbles in the jar because I want a marble jar marriage. And the truth is, we can, even if you don't have it yet, there are things you can do to develop trust.
1: No doubt about it. And developing trust is one of those things I think, we have to intentionalize. We have to make it a conscious decision. Like Julie just said, I love the, re- the reference you just made about responding to the bid. of As soon as your husband, or if you're watching online, your wife says, hey honey, can you come look at this? Or hey, what do you think about, to immediately remember, here's the thing. In reality, this is the most important person in my universe, in the universe. I really, for selfish reasons, I want Julie happy. I want Julie to feel like our marriage is safe, that she can trust me. That, when Julie feels safe, everything, everybody say everything. Everything. Everything works better. Somebody help me preach. So my point is, thank you very much.
0: And that goes both ways, though. So.
1: Thank you for saying that. That I mean, you goes both hesitated ways. There for no, a I didn't know if
0: that was a cue, <laughs> your pause, like you're breathing, or I was supposed to say something. But it's that building it's intentionally,
1: ways. building that trust with each other. Always trying to put marbles in the jar instead of taking marbles out, or certainly not breaking the jar. And so, when we talk about developing trust, it starts really and truly right here. Choose to commit to the time and the effort. We absolutely can choose to commit to the time and the effort to develop trust. Like Julie said, even if it's not currently enacted, even if it's something that you currently don't feel, and and I think feelings can be helpful in that they can tell us a temperature but they can be so deceptive. How I feel is completely irrelevant to what I do. I make the choice, I make the decision in my mind to do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may. And what I've noticed is when I choose to do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may, the feelings follow. A lot of times, I wanna wait until I feel like doing the right thing before doing the right thing. And it's like, well, I'm just being authentic. No, you're being a jerk, Mac. Don't let the feelings guide the actions. Our actions lead our feelings. Do the right thing until it's the right thing, until it feels like the right thing. And so as a husband, like we talked about last week, I look at Julie and I think my job, according to God, my job is to love Julie as Christ loves the church. So in this moment, let's say, for example, that we're not on the same page. Let's say, for example, that I, I look at Julie and I go, man, she is beautiful. But what in the world is going on in her mind? Because I don't understand nothing. Okay, let's just say hypothetically that that happens.
0: Let's pretend.
1: In that moment, my question is, God, how do you want to love Julie through me in this scenario? because this is the scenario that we find ourselves in. And so in that moment, when I start asking those types of questions, that causes me to kind of step back, and all of a sudden, it's not as important that I win. Can I just ask you a question, and and, online y'all can raise your hands or not also. How many of you feel like, when you're in the heat of the moment, you feel the need to win? Can I just see a show of hands? Thank you for being honest. Those of you who did not raise your hands, Fearless mom needs to start a liar support group. (laughs) We all feel that from time to time. We all feel like I, I am not giving in this time. That's the wrong way to look at it. The way that we look at it is not that I need to be right, but that we need to get right. That is a massive, massive difference. So particularly in terms of conflict resolution, conflict is a massive opportunity for trust building. Conflict is a massive opportunity for trust building. The Gottmans, in their studies over the years, discovered that the first three minutes of conflict conversation predict with 96% accuracy marriage master or marriage disaster. If you take the first three minutes of conflict between you and your spouse, you can identify Whether or not that particular argument or disagreement is going to put you more in the master category or the disaster category. Conflict is not something to eliminate in marriage. We will never eliminate all conflict. These, as wonderful as we are, these are two very, very human people we are very flawed we are very we are fallen from what god intended when he created humanity and so from time to time our fallenness our flawedness comes through and it's in those moments that we need that that grace to give each other and to receive from each other
0: and one thing we talked about last week and, and this goes to this is 69% the gottman yeah. study and again this is longitudinal studies over 40 years they've studied couples and The studies show that 69% of disagreements are never resolved. And you're like, 69% for crying out loud. Do we even agree on anything? Let let me help you understand what they were observing. Remember, they looked at everything. I'll give you an example from our marriage. Okay, Mac, it irritates him that um, when coat hangers are hung on doorknobs. That doesn't bother me. It will never bother me. I actually don't understand why it bothers him. But in 27 years of marriage, I know that it bothers him even though it makes no sense to me. We will never agree on that. I appreciate you saying it
1: makes no sense to you.
0: That's right. We will it never agree no on sense It sense at all. I'm not saying he's wrong, per se. I'm saying <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. So I have a choice every time I do that. I can either ignore that it bothers him and put it there anyway, or I can say, you know what? I know this bothers him, and so I'm gonna put it away. I'm choosing generosity and kindness. We'll never understand. I'm choosing to manage that conflict, not resolve it. I don't need to talk him into liking Coat hangers on the doorknobs. Okay, here's another one. Um, I thought of this one the other day. This is kind of funny. But um, so when we fly together, Mac likes a window seat. Well, I like. I'm always going to sit in the middle, but I want him to sit on the (laughs) aisle. Because I want, if I have to get up and go to the restroom, I don't want to have to ask a stranger if I have to get up. But Mac will always choose window. I will always choose for him to sit on the aisle. So every time we fly, one of us has to concede. He's not wrong. I'm not wrong, right? I'm not of wrong. Of course not, dear. I'm not wrong. It's just, a, that's okay. But you know that's what's so different. funny is
1: we just figured this out about nine months ago. It's true. I thought Julie was genuinely asking me, do you want to sit on the aisle or the window? I didn't know it was a but character see, evaluation. See, I thought it was so
0: obvious because I asked him 48 times. You know, I'm like, if I ask you the same question 48 times, say, you're going but to but I would say, I, I would but.
1: say, I would go, which one do you want? She goes, I don't care. And so I just started going, okay, I like the okay, window. Okay, it just became I'm, about me. I was
0: talking about, no, 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 I was, saying, I no, was giving examples. I was saying that
1: we just now figured this we out. We did, we did. Because I was taking her at her word when she said she didn't care. Stupid me.
0: Okay, dumber and, me. I was getting irritated with him. He had no idea why I was so irritated. And, and so by the time we got there, I'm like, oh my
1: God. So now we drive everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, But there are so <laughs> many things like that. So, the after 27 years of marriage, I mean, we could list thing after thing after thing. I'm never going to understand that. I love mushrooms on pepperoni pizza. Mac would die before he ate a mushroom. So so here's the deal, I can, it doesn't matter. It's not worth I'm not gonna talk him into, you taste this mushroom, buddy, and you love it, you know. <laughs> it's not worth it. So when we're talking about the 69%, it's personality quirks, it's things like that, that you just concede after a while, you know what I mean, you just compromise. We're moving toward compromise because it's about us now. It's not about me, I'll order half my pizza with mushrooms, and then you just eat your half all plain pepperoni. And that's fine. One is not wrong, one is not right. Now, you make it to a point where you go, yeah, but this is a big disagreement. This is a big, is this okay to disagree about this? I can't tell you, because what's little to me may be big to you, and what's big to me may be little to you. The point is, conflict is not to be avoided. Address it, understand when you need to compromise, and then move on. If you're not coming to the same page, then get outside help. For crying out loud, do something. If it's bothering you all the time, then do something. And
1: I think, too, what we said a second ago is something to really remember, that conflict can be an opportunity for trust development. It can be an opportunity for building intimacy. As you realize you're on different pages, I I thought you didn't care, window or aisle. As you realize, I've been living a lie for 26 (laughs) years, you go, hey, let's talk about this because... I want to make sure that this isn't like a bigger issue. I want to make sure that we get where God wants us to be. The two are one. Intimacy means oneness on the things that matter most. And so we can say, listen, I'm not going anywhere, but I want to make sure that this is everything God wants it to be. And I want to make sure that I'm being everything for you that I can be. That puts everybody on the same path towards a win for the marriage.
0: Which brings us back to another Gottman study that said that masters, when they did have disagreements, they were five to one, their ratio positive to negative. And it's not not like this. You're cute, I like the way you grill steaks. I don't need to think of five nice things to say before I say (laughs) my complaint. It's more like this, i start with, you know what, Um, something's been bothering me and I feel like I owe it to you. Now, see, I have a posture of humility and I'm putting it on me. And so that's positive. I'm looking at him. My body language is positive. That's another one. There are all sorts of things. I'm saying to him, I care enough to make our marriage great. Now that's a positive. Does that make sense? So it's not like I literally have to say five different things. Although sometimes I do tell Matt he needs to say five nice things to me. But, um, (laughs) and I also say- And they can't
1: be the same as the last five.
0: Right, nor can he pause. What? And so, uh, but that's neither here nor there. So I, um, but it's it's five to one. Am I, am I um, what is my body language saying? Am I saying to him, you know what? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm saying, I'm sure you didn't realize that's a positive. And now I'm saying, but that drives me completely crazy. And I'm putting it on me though. And so that's the five to one. It's not five literal statements to every one negative statement. It is, let me just make sure that I'm communicating. This is about us not just about me. This is not for me to be right, this is for us to get right. And I think that's super um, important because conflict is an opportunity to build trust. Conflict is an opportunity for connection. So I'm gonna give you a few little tips about conflict resolution and taking it from someone who did it wrong for a long, long time and still does sometimes. Um, Number one, timing and tone are as important as topic. Timing and tone are as important as topic. I need to take a moment and get my heart rate down And say, God, is there anything that I need to change before I try to get him to change? Timing and tone are more important than topic. Take some time to calm down and lower your heart rate. If you are in the midst of your anger, then you are thinking with your amygdala, which is your fight or flight response. You need to be thinking with your prefrontal cortex. You need to actually move it around. To do that, you bring your heart rate down. You say, you know what? I'm super frustrated right now. I do wanna talk about it, but I need some time. Give me 15 minutes and we'll come back to it. How can
1: you tell if you're using your amygdala or your prefrontal cortex? If I wanna
0: punch you or if I want to get our marriage right. Do you know you're you're in that fight or flight? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you you can tell when you're thinking emotionally. Take a moment. You literally, when you move it, you're more likely to reason. You're more likely to compromise. You're more likely to look at the facts instead of the feelings. When you're thinking here, it's irrational. You're less likely to come to an agreement and to see, you know what, we need to compromise. So I'm going to give in a little and he can give in a little. You can't problem solve when you're thinking back here. So actually take the time and then um, start the conversation positively. I'm not going anywhere, Um, I love you, I love our home, I love what God is gonna do here, but I need to talk to you about something. I think
1: this can be great. I
0: think, I believe that this can be great, absolutely. Start calmly and with generosity and kindness, affirmation and assurance. I think you are saying things like, our marriage is worth it for me. Um, I love you. I love so many things that you do for me. This is worth it to make this right. Um, And then you talk about how, you, you start with I, I feel this way. This is what I hear you saying. This is what I feel. And when you say you're gonna be home at six and then you don't get home till seven, when you say, I want you to know, I I appreciate that you're working so hard, but I wanna tell you how it makes me feel. And so it's more, um, it's more, and then you move toward compromise. You, You pray before you go into it. God, help me to see that perhaps there's something I need to change as well. It's not just about what he's doing that drives me crazy. I want to go into it knowing that maybe I need to do some things as well. And so there's a humility there and there's an honesty. But move toward making it right, not just being right. Um, And so then our next thing about building trust goes right with this. Um, Actively look for any opportunity to connect with your spouse. And I say actively Because the research shows that you can get into a place of contempt and hostility in marriage where I'm looking and when I see him, I only see what bugs me or I'm only thinking about what he needs to do better. And if you're there, make a conscious decision and go, God, I know I need to move from hostility and contempt to um, appreciation and affirmation. So help me make that move. Now I'm gonna choose, even though I'm not feeling it, I'm gonna choose to do it, and I'm gonna choose to look for ways to connect. I'm gonna look for the bids that he's giving. I'm gonna respond positively. I'm going to do my part. I'm gonna look for ways to connect. Every interaction presents an opportunity for connection or rejection. God help me see every opportunity, every opportunity, even if it's not verbal, help me see how just turning and looking in his eyes when he gets home, Um, how that could connect rather than reject. Help me see when I'm not even aware that I've developed a pattern of rejection. You know, we talked about that passive constructive versus active constructive response to the bid. And we talk about bids all the time. I'm talking about like the example of when Max says, hey, come here, I want you to watch this. I'll pause this for you on the TV show. And odds are, you know, I may not find it funny, but I've realized that it's important to him. So I respond to the bid. And I go in there. He responds to the bid. I asked him this week. I go, what kind of bids do I give? You? you know, what are my bids about? Because yours are all about the dog or a football play or um, a funny TV show. And he said, and we had to think for a minute. What would you say, mine were about? Like stuff I was studying? Interesting? Yeah, something
1: you were looking at or a post online. If there's a child that does something funny on Facebook, I've seen it. <laughs> Thanks to my bride. Now,
0: would he go, oh my gosh, I love that. That's the cutest kid ever. No, but it's positive, constructive, and he totally acts like he's super into it. And so (laughs) I will tell him about what I'm studying and how, oh my gosh, this research shows this. And he probably... You know, thanks for acting like you care, even though. I do care. I mean, mean, you care about us. He may not care about that, but he cares about us. And so, he sees it as an opportunity to connect. Um, And so, I I think it's super important. I think we go back to Ephesians 521. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is about something bigger than just the funny post or just the video on TV, whatever it is. It's about us, and then be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Um, Now, you can't control your spouse, but I will give you a little tip. Um, Sometimes I would say something, and maybe Matt, I would feel like he didn't hear me. So I would yell from the other room, that was a bid. (laughs) Uh And so that has worked. Um, And I'm like, we're in the 33% today. We need to be in an 87 to be a master. And so I would just yell from the other room. Nine out of 10, I just want to remind you, nine out of 10. We're almost there today. We're almost there. So, okay. It maybe wasn't always It helps me
1: if she puts it in kind of mathematical terms. I'm like, okay, I want to be in the upper 90 percentile. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. It was like a competitive thing for him. Oh, if 87% is the goal, I'm going to go to 97. And I'm like, yes, I think that would help everyone. Yes. (laughs) Yes, but it is. I can't make him do it. We've said it. That was another thing that the Gottmans say. When they had conflict, delivering that in a humorous way. Now, if I'm seriously upset about it, I'm not going to deliver it in a humorous way. But um, I'm going to prevent being upset about it by being proactive and reminding him before we're in the 33 percent. Such a helper. I know. (laughs) Here to help.
1: When you talk about developing trust. I think you have, to, you have to be able, especially when it comes to conflict, because Julie and I, probably you and your spouse come from very different families of origin in every way, but especially when it comes to conflict resolution. I grew up with brothers. I have two brothers that are twins. They're two and a half years younger than me. Julie has two sisters. My brothers and I, we could physically fight life and death, fight. And five minutes later, be just fine. It it was, that was just how we operated. We could say whatever came through our brains and do whatever. Julie did not appreciate the conflict resolution skills that I had developed with my brothers, (laughs) especially in comparison to the conflict resolution skills that she developed with her sisters, especially in the deep south where you never talk about anything that's wrong. Everything's always great. That (laughs) was not real or truthful. But we've learned how to resolve conflict together. I've had to learn how to kind of ratchet down the octane, if you will. I have to learn to kind of go, okay, calm your heart, calm your breathing, get that thought process out of the amygdala, bring it to the prefrontal cortex, honey, I would love to talk about something just real quick if we could. That helps everybody. Julie has learned how to look at me and go, "You know what? You're right. We're not on the same page. How can I help?"
0: And that was after 27 years of hinting to you about the middle seat and uh, <laughs> I mean, I legit felt like I was communicating. Yeah. I can I felt like I had said it by asking Wait, are you sure? Are you sure you want to sit on the window? And see,
1: I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm first of all, I'm a guy, and so if she said it, that must be what she meant.
0: <laughs> Apparently I'm like, you couldn't that was all tell. Wrong. you couldn't tell and so I had to choose if it's worth it to me if it really does bug me I can't hold him responsible for understanding that unless I've actually said it
1: Anymore. and and
0: maybe I need to continue saying it so <laughs> anyway go ahead Or just say it explicitly
1: you're... I think that's especially and I think usually that's a male female difference more than anything it's also personality differences which we are female and male 180 degrees. And then, personality wise, we're on two different poles. So, we've had to learn how to communicate in a way that resonates while at the same time respects each other and our differences. Number one, when you make a mistake, apologize. When you've made a mistake, apologize. And not the way people apologize online. If I've offended anyone, I'm sorry. That's not an apology. I'm sorry I was wrong, that is an apology. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I I hate that I communicated to you that it doesn't matter where you sit on the airplane, you should go sit in the bathroom. I'm so sorry I communicated that. I was wrong, I didn't mean to, and I will do better. That is an apology. So when you make a mistake, apologize. Number two, when your spouse makes a mistake, forgive. Forgive. Now, you may have to forgive the same thing a few times. that That doesn't mean you didn't forgive before. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Forgiveness means that you refuse to hold on to the offense or the offendedness, you don't hold on to anger or bitterness. You don't call him names when he's not there or is there. You let go of the offendedness. When he makes a mistake, forgive. Psalm chapter 119, this is what the Bible says. It says, O Lord, you are righteous, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. God is the one that we trust completely, because he is the one who is completely trustworthy. And when we worship God in that way, that allows us to trust each other, even if the other person messes up, even if hypothetically Julie were to ever make a mistake as a wife, then I could step back and go, you know what? God is still God, he is still on the throne and I will choose to trust her again, because for this thing to be everything God wants it to be, That trust has to absolutely be there, which means there will absolutely be times when you have to rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat over and over and over and over again. Now, keep in mind the marble jar that Julie referenced earlier. If you're you're forgiving the same thing repetitively, like the same offense keeps happening over and over and over again, In those situations, you may need to find a solid Christian counselor to go to to help them, to help your spouse understand this keeps happening. We keep having the same conversation over and over and over again. And in those situations, sometimes you need an interested, dispassionate third party to help you resolve the impasse. And like we talked about last week, to move from this, which is gridlock, to this, which is open handed. Adoration, And that's what we're after.
0: And um, another study that I read said that most um, couples, when they go to counseling, um, they've actually been been having problems for six years. Mm. And so why would we wait six years? If you had um, a tooth that you could not bite on, you would go to the dentist. You wouldn't wait six years until you had no teeth left. And so we should be that way about our marriages. We should be willing to do the work. When we see the problem, go to the counselor, make the appointment, say, This matters to me. Our marriage is important, and I will invest time, I will invest money, I will invest. You know, our effort, we will do the work necessary because we know God's design and God's desire is for your marriage to flourish, for it to be everything that he created it to be. And you're saying, I'm not there right now. Well, we would love to help you get there. We will pray for you. We will cheer you on. But you're going to have to say, you know what? I have to be honest. Maybe there's something I have done. Maybe there's something I can do to make my marriage better. And then maybe, you know what, we've tried everything. We need to get more help. We need you to be honest and to say, I'm willing to do the work and I'm willing to get outside help if I need it. But maybe you're saying, well, my marriage is good, but I actually think it could be better. So this week, take the opportunity. God, show me opportunities. Show me opportunities to build trust. Show me opportunities to make that connection. Give me me glasses to see through so I can see the positive. Give me things to affirm, give me things to appreciate and remind me to move that emotion to my prefrontal cortex and to think with reason and to move toward compromise. Help me focus on the friendship. For crying out loud, you know, we have, um, well, Valentine's Day is this week for those of us in Austin right now, um, and if you're watching later, Valentine's Day was at some point, but you can <laughs> make Valentine's Day any day you want and say, we're, we're going to focus on that today. We have an excuse. We have Valentine's Day. You don't need an excuse. So let's have a date this week. I want to invest in our marriage. It's worth it to me
1: well, and you think about that, that thing that we've mentioned a few times throughout this conversation is intimacy. It's, it's that oneness. That's, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're shooting for. And it kind of hit me a few years ago. I, I started thinking about how Julie approaches intimacy and oneness versus how I approach intimacy and oneness. And I think for, for men, if we could say, men, cultivate intimacy with your wife, Cultivate that intimacy, and it's not what you're thinking right now, guys. It's not what you're thinking. Cultivate that intimacy, that oneness where she trusts you, where she sees you as a safe place to be, as a haven. But also, wives, cultivate intimacy with your husband. Now, it's exactly what you're thinking it is. <laughs> and when we understand both of those things together, then all of a sudden we're on that same page becoming one in Christ and one with each other. We're still very, very, very different people. But by the grace of God and after 27 years and with some counseling along the way, we're pretty unified as far as this marriage thing goes. And when we said rinse and repeat over and over and over and over again, it's because Julie and I both can sit here right now and tell you it's absolutely worth it. It is absolutely worth it. And so we want to have a word of prayer with you, with you online, and let you know that this thing called marriage is worth it. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we love you. And Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage, for what you do between husbands and wives who are sold out to you and passionately committed to each other. Father, we pray right now for every marriage that's represented in this room. God, for those single moms, we pray that you would cultivate in them a deep, deep peace and contentment in their relationship with you. And Father, for those who are watching online, we ask in all of these homes, in all of these situations, that you would deliver the peace that passes all understanding through your presence and your power We pray this in the name of Jesus who makes it all possible. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank
2: you, Mac and Julie. Guys, aren't we so lucky to again have another week of learning from Mac and Julie for them to open up and encourage us with their example, to equip us by shooting straight with us about how important trust is in marriage, and to. Encourage, equip, and empower us by giving us examples of things that we can do that we can take into our homes um, and make our marriage uh, more trustworthy or become more trustworthy in our marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, as I'm thinking about what we've learned last week and added into this week, it's both um, relieving. And overwhelming all at the same time I have kind of an excitement that builds to anxiety that builds to a little bit of nauseousness that's sitting right about here right now and that is why the next few minutes are so important because this is where we can take a couple of minutes that we can think about what can we do what is within our control what actions can we take or changes can we make to become more of a marriage master and um, So for the next few minutes, if you're married, I want you to forget about your spouse. If you're not married, I want you to forget about your child's other parent. I want you to focus only on yourself. Julie mentioned um, putting marbles in a jar from Brene Brown's study. Well, she's also done studies on how long that anxious feeling lasts once you start a difficult conversation. I want you to think for a minute, what is your estimate? If you are thinking, I've gotta have a tough conversation and I really am worried about it, How long do you think that anxious, that really anxious um, feeling will last once you start? Five minutes, a minute, the whole conversation? She found it's eight seconds. It's eight seconds. You can get through eight seconds. It's a bull ride. You can do it. (laughs) And so if you will turn in your um, spirals to page 25, and if you were doing good just to get yourself and your kids here this morning, you don't have your binder, Any piece of scratch paper will work. The back of your grocery list is fine. Uh, If you're watching online, a prayer journal or anything that you have that you can write on um, would be great. And then we are going to ask that you stay still and remain quiet during these two minutes so that you don't interrupt anybody else or disturb their thinking. And as moms or dads, how often do we have two minutes to just sit still and breathe? So we encourage you to take advantage of that, even if you don't have the headspace or the energy to write anything down today. And So when the music comes on, as always, we will stop to think and pray, asking God to see things as they really are. We will evaluate ourselves, taking an honest look at our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. We will list the things that we can do to become more trustworthy in our relationships. And then we will commit to the fight. And this is the part where we take action because y'all, Inspiration and information without personal application can never lead to transformation. So that is why this fight is so important. So let's take a few deep breaths and focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 that says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be strong, be courageous, and do everything with love. That's a pretty good one on the day before Valentine's Day too. Um, And for those of you who are watching online, this is your cue to have someone or yourself set a timer so that you can reflect along with us. If you will, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the inspiration we saw in Mac and Julie. Thank you for the information they shared with us on the importance of trust in marriage. In the next few moments, God, please calm our hearts and clear our minds so that we can see the things that we can do to improve our positive to negative interaction ratio, to increase our responses to the bids from our spouses, or how we can better manage the conflict in our relationships. God, we know trust is worth giving and trustworthy is worth being. Please come alongside us as we choose to take steps to develop trust in our relationships. I ask all this in your precious and holy name, amen.